We have been going through a preaching series called The Great Exchange. Um, and we're finishing that this morning. Um, and I don't have very long, but I've got a lot to say. Um, and as I was prepping this and thinking about it, I was kind of feeling like this, in some way, should have been at the start. What I'm talking about this morning as we come to God's Word, this should have been at the start of the series. But I am so glad that it is on the end. And this morning, as we finish, I want to give time for us to respond, um, mainly for two groups of people, possibly three, depends how you look at it. The first is this. Maybe you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus. You've never placed your trust and your hope in Jesus. You've never, you've never considered the claims of Jesus. Or maybe you have and you just thought, whatever, disinterested. I want to invite you this morning to do that for the first time in a bit. Maybe you're here and you kind of think, well, I, I, I kind of think I follow Jesus. I think I'm a follower of Jesus. I mean, I come to church, I do all the right stuff, but you aren't sure if you actually have ever made a decision to turn from your sin, to repent, and to place your trust and your hope in Jesus. I want to invite you, likewise, to follow him this morning. I really feel as I was prepping for this about an invitation for people to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. That's the first group. The second group is this, is really everybody else. Um... That I really believe that Jesus, as we finish, wants to invite us to life with him afresh, empowered by his spirit, to be excited about his kingdom come here and now, and that we need to set our hearts afresh on seeking first the kingdom of God in everything of life. Now, this is the good news, not, of, you know, not the gospel. Well, it could be. Depends how you look at it. That the great exchange is not this. Well, I guess I'll follow Jesus so that one day I'll get to be with him in glory, new heavens and new earth. I mean, that's a great thing. And the exchange is I've got to give up my Sunday mornings to go to church. Okay? I think a lot of us can think of the great exchange a bit like that. We go, well, yeah, I'm going I'm to place my faith in Jesus. And the exchange is this. I get to go to church, lucky old me. Um, and... That is not the exchange we are talking about this morning. As we've seen over these weeks, the world offers us all kinds of promises. It offers us its way, its rhythm, its life, its, its, uh, its pleasures, its treasures. And they all lead to death. Anxiety, distraction, isolation, consumerism. I thought Nigel did a fantastic job last week of, of just touching on our finances that picture of where's our heart? Where's our heart with our finances? Our lives are busy. We are stressed out, burned out. Not only just in the busyness of life, but also so often on religion as well. But Jesus invites us into his life. And ultimately... We're given his life in exchange for our death. That's what we're going to look at this morning, is that we are given the life of Christ in exchange for our death. You see, the story of the Bible is this, that we were made for life. 
to know God, to be known by God, to flourish in life with wholeness and completeness and abundance being how we operate as human beings, male and female, made in the image of God. That is how we were designed. That was how it was meant to be. But because death entered the world because of Adam's sin and rebellion and rejection of God, we are now under the curse of death. The Bible makes that so clear. That death is a curse. And so you go back to Genesis chapter 3, and because of Adam's sin, God said this to Adam, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat the food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. There's a curse of death over us. The Bible makes it really clear that the wages of sin, the wages of not honoring God with his ways as we're meant to live, but doing things in our own way, rejecting God, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 3 says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Death is an enemy to us. Death is an enemy. 1 Corinthians 15, for Jesus must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is an agony for us. We weren't made for these things. I hope you're kind of getting that picture. This is an invader. This isn't how we were designed. Death is an agony, Acts 2.2. But God raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And death is a physical thing. So Joseph of Arimathea, who became a disciple of Jesus, we're told in Matthew 27, he went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and he laid it in his new tomb. We are, unless Jesus happens to return when we're alive, we are all going to die physically. These bodies will one day die. That is part of the state of death. We weren't designed for that once again. And also we are spiritually dead to God. The Bible makes it really clear that someone who is not in Christ, someone who is without Christ is spiritually dead. Paul describes it as being alienated from the life of God. So to be separated from God is the same as being dead. But here's the deal, and we've touched on these. There is a great exchange that has happened. There really is a great exchange that has happened. We are not without hope because of Christ Jesus. I want to just rattle through some very quickly of these great exchanges. Listen to this. Isolation gets traded for fear. Sorry, for family, not for fear. That would be a bad, that's not a great exchange. I was reading on. Isolation for family. In place of fear, faith. Instead of nakedness, we're clothed. Instead of having to hide, we're known. Instead of mistrust, trust. Instead of sickness, we're healed. Instead of hatred, love. Instead of greed, generosity. Scarcity becomes abundance. Separation, we're reconciled. Anxiety, we find peace. We have lack, but we're overflowing with God's goodness. Violence becomes gentleness. Jealousy, trust. Striving, we find contentment. 
In sin, we are separated from God and we experience death. That is the state of humanity. All of us are dead because of our sin and rebellion against a holy, loving, almighty God. And because of that death, we experience loss of joy, peace, hope, and love. We become unfruitful. We're wandering in the, in the wasteland, in the wilderness. We're worshippers of created things rather than the creator. We're lovers of self. And every one of us does what's right in our own eyes. My goodness, the human condition is not great without God. It really is not great. And you could go on and on and on. And that is a picture of death. See, the way of the world is, leads to death. All the promises that the world holds out, do this, be successful in this, accumulate this, be known for this, strive for this, all of it leads to death. But at the cross, the good news is this. Jesus has defeated death. Say it to the person sat next to you. At the cross, Jesus has defeated death. And now, honestly, please say it like you actually believe it. And if you don't believe it, you may do in a moment. (laughs) Thank you for the silence. Right. You see, it was at the cross where the greatest exchange, the greatest trade in all of human history took place. And the Apostle Paul writes about that in the letter to the Corinthians. If you can turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is a race with the time here. Lord, just as we come to your word, we pray by your spirit this morning, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, that we may see you high and lifted up. And that we may be lovers of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we may step into the life that you have won for us, King Jesus. We pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Do a new thing in our lives this morning. We pray that we will go from this place with the joy of knowing the victory of Jesus Christ this morning. And his kingdom come. We thank you. That's what you've made us for. Now bless us, we pray, as we come to your word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for Christ's love, this is verse 14, compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. The great exchange has taken place, is what Paul's saying. And all of this is from God, who reconciled to us, who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us, the church, the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, 
not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Church, we are therefore ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. But we've got to get to in a minute. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus, I want to implore you. As followers of Jesus here this morning, we would implore you, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I don't know why. Sometimes I read scriptures like that, and I kind of want to clap Paul. I go, well done, Paul. Mate, you absolutely nailed it. Like, enough said, except I want us to respond in just a moment. Christ has destroyed death. Jesus traded his life for our death. And he never once has or did regret it. You were so worth trading Jesus' life for your life, his life for your death. He has never, ever regretted that decision. He did it intentionally, willingly, graciously, purposefully. He did it to set us free. So as we just read in 2 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 14, we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Here you go. Jesus was punished that we might be forgiven. He was wounded that we might be healed. He was made sin with our sinfulness that we may, might be made the righteousness of God with his righteousness. Jesus tasted death for us that we might share his life. Jesus was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. He endured our poverty that we might share his abundance. He bore our shame that we might share his glory. Jesus endured rejection that I and you may have his acceptance with the Father. He was cut off that we might be joined to the Lord. My old self, or as Paul wrote, the old man, was put off, put to death in Jesus, that the new self, the new man, might come to life. See, death couldn't keep hold on Jesus in the grave, and therefore it also has no claim over you if you're a follower of Jesus, and it has been swallowed up in victory. Christ has overcome. You are free, Christian, from the pain and sting of death. Yes, we're going to experience it. But it's like a shadow that will pass over you. From glory to glory. As Paul said, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Last breath here, first breath in the presence of Jesus. What an amazing transaction has taken place. And it is into Jesus' life that he invites all of us, anyone who would come. Whether you think you're to be high and exalted and lifted up and honored, or whether you think you're hidden, to be disregarded, nobody cares, nobody knows, Jesus invites everyone. 
And he has a heart for the poor and the marginalized and the sidelined and the broken and the wounded and those who have been disregarded by people. Those who have been trashed by bosses and husbands and wives. Those those whose parents have abandoned them. Particularly, Jesus says, go out to the highways highways and byways. Get the beggars and the lame and, the, and those who are vagabonds, those who are, who are just waifs and strays in life. Go and invite them in to my life, Jesus says to his disciples. And so we're all invited into the life of Jesus. I want you to hear that. It is nothing to do with who you are and what your station is in life, how you see yourself. Jesus invites you and invites all into his life. Verse 15 of 2 Corinthians 5, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, this is Jesus' words on this. This is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He said he's praying that for his followers. This is eternal life, Father, that they may know you and the one whom you sent, Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever comes to me won't perish, won't be under the curse of death anymore, but instead will receive eternal life. Life that is true life. Fullness of life is what Jesus offers us to him, which is what he lived, and we get to live and pattern our lives after Jesus that we too can begin to experience fullness of life. And for so many, so often, I'm not just pointing my finger, even myself in this, So often we can think of eternal life as something that starts somewhere down there. But the great exchange is this, that when you trade your life and death for Jesus' righteousness and his life, eternal life starts here and now. Jesus says, I'm the door. And you enter through the door and you're into his kingdom. You're into his life with him. So what if you and I, Christian follower of Jesus? What if you, somebody who hasn't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, what if we could begin to experience the reality of eternal life here and now? What if we had a seat in heaven right now? Because that's what it says in Ephesians 2, 6, that God has raised us up with Jesus and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places. What if we already had access to heavenly gifts, such as belonging to God's family, complete forgiveness, and more love than we could possibly measure? Ephesians 1 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What if God's presence, the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, lived within us and could transform our lives, not by our performance and our efforts, but through his power at work in us 
bringing peace and hope and love and joy into our lives today? What if? Well, again, Ephesians 1 says this, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were also sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Eternal life is here and now. And yes, there's a truth that one day we will see Jesus face to face. One day, new heavens and new earth is where we're going to dwell with, heaven on earth. That's where we're heading to. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just a couple of weeks ago, Callum, Kaz and Esther and I, we were in London doing some theology training and uh, Andrew Wilson was going through the book of Matthew and he said, the center of the center of the center is on heaven, sorry, on earth as it is in heaven. The center of the center on earth as it is in heaven. That's God's plan. That's where we're heading and there is a future truth to that. But the reality is that in Christ, he has also given us all of these realities. Because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. John 10, I am the gate, Jesus said. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it to the full. So I want to invite you right now, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, the invitation really is for you. I want to particularly say to you, if you're a young person here, not to single you out, but particularly if you've just grown up in church, going along with your parents, which is not a bad thing. Please don't think I'm saying that's an amazing gift of God. But maybe you've never actually considered, have I turned from life with me at the center, doing what I think is good in my own eyes, have I ever actually received Jesus as Lord and Savior, invited him to be king of my life? Maybe you're here this morning, you're going, I did not sign up for this, I'm just here. But you're not just here. God's plan and purpose and design for you this morning is that you would have an invitation to life in all its fullness. Not by being at Gateway Church on a Sunday, but by turning to Jesus Christ, receiving him as Lord and Savior. And so I simply want to give a moment that maybe that's you, and I want to invite you, if that's you, that, you see, following Jesus is not private. It's not private faith. It's a public declaration that I am rejecting my life, the way I've been living, and I'm repenting. That word means I'm turning away from that, and I'm turning towards Jesus. And it's a public thing. It, faith in Christ is a public thing, as we're going to see in just a moment. And so if that's you this morning, I want to give you a chance just for a moment to stand up and respond. And we would love to, in a bit, just pray with you, welcome you into God's family, just maybe break bread again with you. 
as a, as a picture of receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you in front of everybody just to stand. I'm just going to give a moment. Disciple of Jesus, um, John, he put it really simply. He said this, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I want to invite you. This is not a light thing. It's a decision of the will. It shapes the rest your life, your whole life, your future life. I'm going to give time for anybody else who wants to respond. Particularly for those of you as well who are here who say, I don't, you know what, I don't really know. I've just got into the pattern of religion. anybody else that just wants to respond in this moment? I don't know your name, my sister, who's come to the front. Please say, but I just want you to know that heaven, the Bible tells us heaven is rejoicing over you, that God is rejoicing over you. And Lisa, even your courage to walk to the front. Lisa, we'll pray with you in a minute and we just want to welcome you as a sister into God's family. And our hearts are absolutely overjoyed for you, Lisa. And we'll pray with you and just talk in a moment. But um, come on, let's celebrate because Lisa, you've received eternal life in Jesus. He loves you. Um, Lisa, you're welcome to sit anywhere or go back to wherever you were sat. Just to say, you're going to have to be at the front again in November for a baptism. Sorry about that. I didn't tell you that bit. But um, we look forward to that day. Thank you, Lisa. That's amazing. Lisa, well done. I, I am well aware of the time. 
I just want to finish with what I said I wanted to finish with um, because I feel it's important. That for those of us who maybe are just in the habit of doing religion, the passage we've just read tells us this. We now no longer regard anyone from a worldly point of view. Jesus has changed the lens that we look at life through as followers of him. It goes on to say, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Paul then explains that. Listen to this. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors. As though God himself were making his appeal to those walking in darkness, to those under the curse of death, to those in isolation, fear, poverty, without friendship of God, forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with him. He said, you, my friends, those who have been brought into my family, my son, my daughter, Jesus' brother, sister, says, now go tell them. Go tell them the good news. The lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised to life. Because Christ has overcome. And I'm not, I haven't got time. But I'd love you to go home and read Ezekiel 47, the picture of the river of life flowing from the temple, bringing life. Or Jeremiah 29, with God's vision of what it looks like for followers of Jesus to live in Babylon faithfully. There's no reason that Paul, there's a reason that Paul so often explains the situation of humanity, explains what God has done in Christ Jesus, and in light of that, then says, now this, husbands, wives, fathers, sons, uh, children, mothers, children, employers and employees, go and work it out in these relationships. Because the kingdom of God isn't just a one day down there thing. Everlasting life isn't just a one day down there thing, but it's here and now, and it's worked out in the ordinary nitty gritty of life. And so for you guys and girls who are young in here, I want to go under 30. So whatever age under 30, please listen to me on this. God's vision for your life and his purposes for you are all-encompassing. It affects every part of your life. And he has placed you as students, as studying in your first work placement, into your marriage, in your family, that you might be bringers of life, reconciliation, uh, people of reconciliation in your homes, in your schools, holding out the message of Jesus. Even as you go to New Day, particularly those of you who are younger, this, in a couple of weeks' time as you go to New Day, it's, it's, a, it's a great thing to go to. But God says, I want to speak to you about your whole life trajectory as you go. Can we stand? I'm just going to pray this over us. Um, sorry for a bit of a crash landing, running out of time. But you lot did go on and contribute too much this morning, so it's your own fault. That was a joke, by the way. Great job. Um, see, please go home and read Ezekiel 47. Because the, the point is that the river of life is flowing intentionally somewhere. There's authenticity, which pay attention to the source of the river.
There's generosity in this river of life that it keeps increasing. And there's regeneration that it brings renewal to dead places. And I want to pray that for us. Can I invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, firstly, if you feel like you're just, you've kind of forgotten, you're kind of going, oh yeah, I just sort of hold faith. I, I do the Sunday thing, but I sort of hold faith as a one day then down there eternal life, sure, rather than a here and now thing. No shame on you, no guilt, no condemnation, but I just want to invite you to lift your hands before Jesus. That his life and his spirit would fill you afresh with all peace and power in knowing him, that you would receive the spirit of God afresh in this day to be ministers of reconciliation. For others of you, I just want to commend you in your place of work, whether it's in the hospital, teaching, Rob, I was just thinking about you in the college after your text that I haven't replied to. I was just thinking about you and as I was doing this, and I was thinking, Rob, in your place of work, that you are a minister of reconciliation in that place. We talk, we've talked a lot about Donna recently in Burundi. Not every one of us is a Donna in Burundi. Not every one of us is a Dawn at Night Shelter. Not every one of us is pioneering a, a new work like Sam Way. Um, not Sam Way. Sam Way is what it's called. Um, serving young people across the town. But we are positioned and placed by God that the river of life may flow through us. So church, can I invite us to lift our hands right now? And we pray, Holy Spirit, come afresh upon us Empower for purpose that your kingdom come and your will be done in our homes, in our hearts, in our habitation, in the places you've placed us, in schools right across this town, that students, as you go to school, you would know that you're a minister of reconciliation as you go to college, university, empowered by the Spirit. You don't need to be afraid of the age in which we live. With the, with the ideology of the, of the age in which we live, because Jesus has overcome. Because his spirit will empower you and give the words, even when you don't feel strong. He's your strength. For those of you who are fed up and just feeling in a dead-end job, bored, just life is kind of just tedious monotony, we pray, God, break open our thinking in this moment. Lord, re revive us, renew us in this moment. We pray, Lord, Jesus, come by your spirit. Refresh us in our inner person today. Jesus, point us where you want us to be and where you want us to go. Lord, I pray across this family, would you raise up in this next season, Lord, leaders and church planters, but Lord, we're not just praying that. Raise up prophets, men and women who see in the spirit, who call out the things of God in this generation. Lord, raise up doctors and nurses and porters who serve those who are sick and infirm across this town with love and kindness and the power of God, no less. Lord, raise up people who deal with economics and business in this place, who bring the values of the kingdom of God to bear in their business, we pray. Lord, raise up mums and dads in families who love their kids, who stand on the tough days just like it was in our home yesterday and say, God, help us in our weakness. Lord, where we feel weak, be our strength in this season. Lord, raise up men and women, young and old, who are struggling in health right now to say, actually, it sucks. Yes, it does, but my hope is in Christ and Christ alone. Lord, raise up among us 
men and women who are traveling across nations looking for asylum and, and safety from harm, Lord, raise them up in this generation, Lord, to be men and women who are amazing at bringing reconciliation of people who are far from God, bringing them close home to him. Lord, we say, Lord, we pray for purpose for those who are seeking asylum in this family right now, Lord. Lord, bring the life, the, the everlasting life, Lord. We say, bring it into the hostels and the hotels across this town. May your kingdom break out. Lord, bless us, we pray. Lord, as we look, as we head out, even this week and over this summer, and as the young guys go to New Day in a couple of weeks, Lord, we pray, Lord, keep our hearts afresh and zealous for you and your glory and your kingdom come in our lives, we pray. In our families, we pray. In our thinking, we pray. In our being, we pray, Lord. In, our, in the times we open your word, we pray that, Lord. In the times that we pray with you, we just pray, encounter us, living God. We thank you that you are for us and not against us. Jesus, we thank you for that great exchange of Christ's riches and his life and his beauty and his righteousness and his perfection for our wretchedness and and the stench of death that we were in. We thank you for that great exchange. And as your people, King Jesus, the one who has gone through the curtain, the one who's made a new and living way, we finish with this. We say, thank you, King Jesus, for the great exchange. We bless your name today. We bless your name. We say, be magnified in this family, we pray. Even this week, I pray for supernatural uh, opportunity to, to bless those in our lives, around us, to be ministers of reconciliation. But we say, Lord, it's all for your glory. Be magnified in this town, we pray, King Jesus. May your kingdom come in this place. Amen.